thevoiceofhard.com. Right, here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Guider, a.k.a. Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest today is director, writer, producer Peter Dukes. The reason why he is on here is because of his latest short film called The Beast, which we will talk about a little bit later. And for you werewolf fans out there, stay tuned and take a listen. Peter, how are you? I'm good, sir. Thank you for having me on the program. Thank you. Um, it's uh, It was a treat that I got an email from you asking me to review The Beast, and here we are. And I got more than what I bargained for because I got other films that I reviewed that I really enjoyed. But I think we're going to start back in 2000. Now, it's called Ghosts. Do you want to explain to listeners about Ghosts and if it's available for people to see online? Yeah, sure, uh, Scott. Ghosts was a, a very short and simple film I did many years ago as a young lad. Um, shot it on a, literally an old VHS camcorder. Um, at the time, that's what I had to work with, so we, we kind of stretched it and made it work. Um, Ghosts was um, based on just a little fun idea I had about um, you know graveyards and and um, how they could be construed as you know prisons for the dead. Um, I, I wasn't trying to make any you know um, big messages about um, you know burial rites or anything. It was just a fun concept I thought I could have fun with. Um, you know. So, anyways, uh, a young woman is struck down by the side of a road and she enters into the afterlife and is escorted by two mysterious you know, fellow spirits to her gravesite, to a graveyard, and you know, quickly realizes that it's her eternal prison. So, you know, chaos ensues from that point, of course. But, um, you know, it's just a very short and, and, and simple idea that we had a lot of fun with. Nice. So that, that is on YouTube, right? That can be watched? Uh, yes, yes. Most of my films can be seen on YouTube. If you go to Duke's Lighthouse, it'll take you straight to my channel. Um, you can also find all of them on our website, which is just uh, www.dreamseekersprods.com. So either one will will, will take you to um, you know take take you to QuickTime Files where you can watch all our all our work. All right. Well, I will put that link on the interview so people can click and watch. How's that? Sounds good to me. Now that wouldn't be very unreachable, but the next film I will talk about is called <laughs> Unreachable in 2006. Now it's listed as a thriller, so do you want to give uh, listeners an idea of what Unreachable is about? Um, yes, without giving too much away, it, it, it's basically kind of a paranormal thriller slash um, drama about uh, two hikers that are lost in the wild and. The longer they're lost, um, you know, the more reality starts to sink in that they might not find their way out, and they're kind of forced to stare into the face of death. And uh, it kind of begs the question, what would any of us do if forced to do the same thing? Um, it's kind of based in general around this, this idea of um, the relationship between death and our denial of it and uh, time. Uh, and I had been inspired by kind of the writings of uh, Ernest Becker, who uh, was a Pulitzer Prize-winning writer who wrote about, you know, um, just that time, the denial of death, back in the 70s. And I won't go into detail about that too much, but it's it's just a very interesting kind of ghost story um, that takes place out in, out in the wild. And it was a great shoot. And as a matter of fact, it was the last film I ever shot on actual film, on celluloid. So 16-millimeter film, black and white, old-fashioned, and uh, it's a fun ride. I'll check that out. I'm ready. All right, the next film, uh, Peter, is called Memory Lane in 2007. It stars, I'm assuming, you and your wife? 
Yes, yes, that's right. Her uh, one and only starring role. <laughs> <laughs> she really helped me out with that one. Uh, Memory Lane was um, a love story. I hadn't done one before, and I really wanted to take one on. And so I wrote that uh, as a challenge to myself. Um, many of my films are challenges. I write them, you know, um, both for artistic gratification and, you know, to keep honing my craft, but also as a challenge to myself. If I haven't worked with kids in a long time, I'll write a script with kids. And right. uh, if I haven't shot indoors with lots of different lighting, you know, situations, I'll write a script like that and so on and so forth. Anyways, my particular challenge with that film was to shoot with the absolute, absolute, absolute bare minimum. We had zero money, as minimal equipment as is possible, no cast, which is to say I directed it, but I also starred in it, asked my wife to join in. She said, okay, as long as she could look pretty, and I said, sure. So she came on board, and, you know, it, it's it's just a very, very, very short and simple love story, um, very unpolished, but as it turns out, it's one of my most emotionally effective um, films. People really respond to that, um, you know, more so than any of the other films. But uh, love can do that sometimes, I guess. Yes, yes, you're right. There's the the next film that I was going to watch earlier, and I decided to put a halt and wait a little bit and review it. It's called They Watch in 2009. Now, it stars a, char- a, a character named Victor, played by John Michael Herndon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love John. I've worked with him a couple of times. He's a, he's a total pro. Um, yes. Yeah, that was... Um that was kind of my ode to the old original uh, Twilight Zone series. Um, it's a very, you know, um, on the surface, simple uh, little ghost story, um, all in black and white and kind of shot in kind of a more classic style. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's basically two guys in a room, as always many of my films have kind of, <laughs> you know, economy in mind, you know, working with the... Working with very little, um, but yeah, it's just a very little um, ghost story that was with a lot of fun to make, and it's basically about a uh, a dying man who's visited by an old acquaintance who kind of stirs up some old, you know, skeletons in the closet, and and you know, kind of chaos ensues from that point. But that was a sh- that was a, a fun one. Another one shot for nothing in a day, you know, boom done. But uh, it, it turned out pretty well. We're very happy with that one. Fantastic. I will check out one out later on. Um, like I said, I, you gave me a list, and I reviewed three of them. And the ones that I, the last three that you've done, we're going to talk about soon, were fantastic mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I'm going to be checking this one out as well. Now this next one, now again, I have this one to watch too, and it kind of has my intrigue because it's a silent short film. It's called The New World in 2010. Am I correct yes. in saying that? Yes, that's right. Yeah. The, the New World was kind of born from just the circumstances of the films I'd done just prior to it. I'd, at that time, I'd done a lot of kind of um, gloomy psychological stories, uh, films in a row, and I wanted to do something totally different. I wanted to do something fun, bright, colorful, upbeat. Um, so anyways, that, that's where New World came from. It's, it is, yeah, it's the silent, short fairy tale about a fairy who yearns to leave her world behind in favor of ours, but what must she give up, you know, in order to achieve that? And um, it's kind of my um, take on the uh, on the Peter Pan tale, you know, n- not you know strictly allegorical, but I mean it's it's basically a story about growing up from infancy all the way you know to your dying days. So um, you know it, it's it was um, it turned out 
beautiful, really. It was shot by um, a really talented DP named Rob Witt, and um, you know the crew was great and the cast was great, and you know it's just a it's just a fun, um, colorful film. All right. Well, speaking of uh, Bill Oberst Jr., uh, he just signed yeah. in on Skype, which we'll get to him shortly. That's kind of funny. But yeah. the next film that I just watched, and I am a big zombie fan, as everyone knows, Lanretta in 2010. Yeah. Now, people who already listened to the review already will understand what I'm going to say. This is what you call a abnormal zombie film, because a normal <laughs> zombie film has this, uh, 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 and there is some, like Deadheads, a full feature that the zombies actually talk normal. But this mm-hmm. film... I know you heard it over and over again. This film, I would love to see a full feature on, which that's probably not the goal, but the idea behind this one was fascinating. Go ahead and give the listeners an idea about this film. Yeah, Lenretta was... Any film I take on, and particularly any kind of classic subgenre film, like zombies or you know werewolves or, or whatever it may be, I, I kind of work hard to, you know, think outside the box and put my own spin on it, shake things up a little bit, turn it upside down if I can. So I really wanted to do a zombie film, and um, in order to do that, I decided to take a slightly different approach. I I, kind of tied, um, you know, the reasons for these people becoming zombies into kind of grounded issues. Uh, these scientists had basically created this serum to help see, keep uh, soldiers alive so that they could be more effective in battle. And, of course, it backfires, and thus these creatures are created. And uh, my zombies are intelligent and self-aware, which I thought was really horrifying to right. be aware of what you are and what you are be- becoming. And throughout the script, um, it certainly hinted at it several times that um, they're very aware that their humanity is slipping away. Every single day, the, you know, the hunger, so to speak, is taking over, and they can feel their last remaining bits of, of civility and humanity slipping away. To, you know, eventually they probably will be those mindless, you know, beasts walking around just eating flesh and all the, and all the rest. Um, so that was my way of trying to make something, you know, horrifying in a, in a different light. These are self-aware zombies who are filled with you know, all sorts of nasty feelings about their creators right. and their situation. And anyways, that was, um, you know, it was it was uh, another minimalist approach. We shot, except for one shot, we used nothing but a light bulb, you know, and we shot it in six hours and everyone on board. That was another one John Michael Herndon was involved with, and he did a great job as always. Yep. Um, anyways, um, you know, it's, it's a very... Uh, effective short little story and 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 I, I try never to hit my audience over the head you know with information I like them to kind of be invested in the picture and right. take something different out of it so there have been many people not just a few but many people who watch it and really enjoy it who have no idea that it's a zombie movie right you know because it's just it's just that film. right exactly I never actually call him uh, a, you know I never actually call the antagonist a a zombie, and, and the only other thing I, I really played with in this film is I, I tend not to be a big fan of black and white characters. That is to say, heroes that are flawless and villains who are just vaudeville, you know, twirling their mustache evil. In this film, um, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. The, the bad guy, you can, you could be empathetic to. You can understand his plight. You can understand his right. pain. And, and the good guy, you kind of see where he messed up. You kind of see some things that he did that were morally questionable, perhaps. 
Right. Um, at any rate, you know, it, it, it was those kind of things that made it uh, a real delight to kind of put that picture together. Are you hungry? Yeah, that's right. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? <laughs> Brilliant. I like that one. Now, the next one I was quite surprised um, that I normally don't watch because, well, I do if my grandkids are around. But my grandkid, one of my grandsons, did watch it with me. It's called A Goblin's Tale in 2011. Now, this one here, I kid you not, it kind of brought me back to the 80s. Um, Labyrinth. You might have seen that one as a kid like I did. Maybe you didn't. Oh, yeah with the puppets yeah. and stuff, but this one is, um, you, it's a fairy tale, it's a book, and the character comes out of the book, and that's all I'll say, mm-hmm. but go ahead and give listeners an idea of what more that we can say that we don't ruin the short film. Yeah, it's, it's a story within a story within a story. Right. <laughs> you know, you'll have to watch to see what I'm talking about, but it's, um, you are exactly right with that 80s feel, that, that's why I made it, I, I, I kind of personally miss some of the darker fantasy films of the 80s, you know, Secret of Nim, Labyrinth, Legend, things like this. Right. They're not macabre, and they're not violent necessarily, but they're, they're, they have more adult themes in place, and, and they are a little bit darker in nature. And um, You know, so I wanted to, to make, uh, I was having fun with fantasy at that point. I had just completed New World, and I was kind of on a fantasy kick. Right. So anyways, I, w- I wanted to take this one on and, and kind of make my own kind of ode to those older fantasy films. So that's what we went for, and I, I think we succeeded in, su- succeeded in making it. It's, um, you know, basically a story about a goblin who comes to life from the pages of storybook and, um, you know, kind of turns the life upside down of this young girl who is the owner of that book, and that's about all I can say about it without giving too much away, right. but it was, it was a very fun little little picture to take on. Well, I've been reading some reviews on that after I posted mine, and the most common denominator, which I'm not going to, I mean, I'll say it, but I'm not going to go any farther, is the ending. That's all I'll say. That's what made the movie yeah. really uh, a big right turn. Or a left, however you want to say it. It's well yeah, it's made. a fun ending. I mean, it's it's just the type of genre uh, that you can really give yourself a lot of creative liberty, and, right. and we certainly took advantage of that. And and we were lucky enough to work with again a lot of talented people. I, I've done enough pictures now that despite the limited budgets on my work, I'm able to get really talented people on 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 board and, and to volunteer their time, which they certainly don't have to do. And we were even even able to get um, Tiffany Giardini involved in the in the lead role, and you know she's a she's a big time entertainer. She's got a large fan base, and we we um, got her interested in the part, and she stepped right in enthusiastically, and she did a great job. So that thing that that picture came together very well, and and we have high hopes for it in the kind of coming festival season. Well, speaking of festival season, now the movie that brought us together. Um, you contacted me, and there's a, a, a actor in this film. It's badass Billy Oberst Jr., which I got to know pretty well. It's called The Beast in 2012. Now, I said before in my review, I've never reviewed a werewolf short film before. Now, this baby can go any way you want it to be, and what I like about you, Peter, is the films that you make. I mean, a lot of directors do the same thing. They make a masterpiece for a short film that can easily, easily be into a full feature. Now, of course, you're getting mm-hmm. into more red tape or whatever to do this, but the idea of this film was so brilliant. 
I love the character of Bill, Peter LaBoss and Alexander. Now, does that happen to be a father and son? Are they related in somehow? They they auditioned together, father and son. Okay, and brilliant idea. I can go on forever. So for all you reviewers out there, if Mr. Dukes wants to let you review it on the link, whatever, this is the one that I want you guys to see. It's called The Beast in 2012. It's about a werewolf. And Peter, I'll let you explain a little bit about the short film. Well, in short, it's about um, a father, um, Bill Obert Jr., who is struggling with what to do with his only son who's been afflicted with the curse of the werewolf. Um, in a nutshell, that's that, that's what it's about. Right. And, um, you know, uh, as, as, you know, my M.O., of course, we shot it for nothing in a night, um, and it was a tough shoot. You're out in the elements. We were out in the, in the hills of, uh, you know, the middle of nowhere. Um, tough, cold night, and, you know, I was very lucky to have a, a solid cast and crew. Uh, Bill and Alexander and Peter were total pros, you know what I mean? And they came fully prepared. I mean, they really helped push this thing up a couple of notches with their performance. I was really, really lucky to have guys who came that prepared. They did a great job, and, and um, you know, as, as you and I had discussed before, Bill, he's a real up-and-comer. I mean, he's just exploding right now. So I was yep. very, very lucky to nab him when I did because he's going to be out of my reach pretty soon. I mean, he's shooting for the stars, you know, and right. I, I think before not too long he'll get there but you've seen the film of course and I, I think he does they all do a great job and, yep. and it's a fun one it's definitely one worth uh, catching if you can right and I like e even the um, the werewolf the uh, <laughs> yes the werewolf was well the... as you've seen uh... go ahead go ahead well I was just going to simply say that uh, you know uh, I, I, again because we have to work with what we have we, we have to generally take the minimalist, minimalist which means, you know, right. kind of um, you taking creative choices over, you know, kind of large production choices and, and things of that nature. So we had to do the same thing here, and, and um, you know, I, I think it worked out pretty well. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those kind of psychological movies where, where you know, you're not going to see everything that, you know, you may see in a large budget uh, picture. But, you know, it works for this picture. It's a small story, and I think right. the way we filmed it, it's very appropriate to it. So it was a lot of Fun, you know. Well, when I see when what you can see the werewolf, now I might be speaking out of turn if I can remember correctly, but it reminded me of Michael Landon. Oh, Michael Landon, good you call. Know. I had not thought about that. Yeah, that's probably that's probably about right. I mean, when he's a werewolf, but uh, you know, I like this one. I mean, this one I must have watched like five times since I reviewed it. I mean, I really, I like to keep watching it every now and then and to get an idea of you know it's just fascinating that I've never seen a werewolf short film before it's a first and it was well shot I mean people when you got when you watch this film you wouldn't even think that it's a low budget or no budget you just the way it was shot and acted it's you would think that it's a high production film it's just the way it was shot and that's what makes it so brilliant is I like I like I never I seen yeah, no problem. I never seen Bill Obers Jr. in this type of a film. I mean, he's done Cannibals, he's done Principles. He's yeah, done, and you know what? You know? I've read articles recently because he's again, he's just in, he's just all over the place now. He's in a lot of articles and things like that. And one of the things he'd mentioned recently, and, and of course I didn't know this, you know, prior to a couple of weeks ago, but one of the things he really would enjoy taking on, which she doesn't get often, you know, at least yet, 
is monster roles. He wants to do that whole Boris Karloff thing. I mean, just yeah. really get the makeup on and have fun. And you've seen a lot of his work. You know, he he plays you know the creepy guy the characters or the the creepy guy. And he would love to take that kind of stuff on. And boy, you know, he'd be great at it. Yeah. So I mean, for, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm sure that he took on took on the film to be involved in just kind of an old style monster picture. Yep. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he was a great guy. I should point out real quick that I was, I owe a lot of the look to a really talented DP named John Sneeden. He's worked with me a couple of times now. He shot Goblin's Tale too, And he takes what he's given, you know what I mean? He, I come with him, you know, we've got no money. Here's a couple of lights. you got to work some magic. And he right. does. He works some magic. You know right. what I mean? I'm sure he'd love to have a heck of a lot more from the grip department to work from, but he takes it a long way, and, and I owe a lot to him as well as to everybody else. You got it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, uh, I mean, I think that about covers it. I mean, as long as as, as, as long as people are excited with what they see, I, I hope they spread the word and, and push it onward. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just very small-time filmmakers who love what we do, and yeah. we're always pushing to make things that are, you know, bigger and better. And, you know, as you've seen in the progression of my films, I think we're gradually heading that way and, and hope to continue doing so. So, yeah, watch and spread the word. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say. Well, one thing I will say is I've been in hiatus from doing short films for a good, I might have done maybe one in the last two months, but I've watched three years so far, so it's bringing me out. And when I say that, it's not because you're on. I'm interviewing you, and I'm blowing smoke up your ass, whatever. But you have a zombie-style short that I really enjoyed. You have a werewolf that I really enjoyed, and you have a fairy tale that I really enjoyed. So you have a, a, a wide range variety of your short films that I just think that you have a talent, and I can't wait until you ever decide to make a full-length feature because I know you can do it. Oh, I appreciate that, and, and believe me, I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm getting closer to that goal. I'll put it that way. That, that's right. definitely that's definitely a step I have planned for the near future, if at all possible. So, who knows? Who knows where we'll be? And I and I, I very much hope to get the chance to, you know, speak with you again on perhaps yep. my next project. I got some wild things coming down the road, so <laughs> we'll see. Well, all right, Joe. Well, I very much appreciate the opportunity. No problem, Peter. And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I just had to talk to you, especially about the Beast and the three that I've seen so far, because I can mm-hmm. I can relate to them. I've seen them, but you know, the Beast to me, I think that's one of your best. I mean, great, great. You well, know, and that's I'll, good. I like the concept. <laughs> the concept was cool. But anybody out there, the links for this movie will be on the site. You guys got to check it out, listeners, reviewers. However. Just give us a watch and let me know and, and let Peter know what you think. All right, Peter, thank you very much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time, and uh, you take care of yourself and keep in touch. Thank you, sir. Take care. Take care. We'll see you. More info on me, check out scottguider.net.